Well, um, it's my pleasure to introduce Alfred Indaro uh, to you. Alfred and I, back in uh, 1990, uh, this church sent me and Becky, and we had one little kid at that time, uh, to join in with um, another missionary, a Tanzanian missionary couple, which is Alfred and his wife, Happiness, and they had one little kid. Two. Could you call Right. Yeah, yeah. Both of our wives were pregnant. <laughs> we each had one child and one on the way. So he was sent uh, from his part of the country uh, to another people group, the Sandawi people, and we were sent from here. And so we labored together for 11 years. We worked together among the Sandawi people, and many of you know those stories. Uh, we began as brothers in the Lord. We became co-workers, and then we became friends. Uh, after uh, we left to come to another faraway place uh, named Allentown, uh, Alfred uh, stayed for a few more years. Then he went on for further education up in, in Kenya, and he returned back to Tanzania. He was pastoring a, a big pastorate in a city there, planting churches also. But also God used him to initiate a, a missionary training program for Tanzanians. So it's the Tanzanians training their own missionaries to keep reaching out to the unreached people. Then the church there, their denomination, used him as a teacher at a theological college for a year. And presently, now he's uh, overseeing uh, a medical ministry in Lake Victoria among the islands in Lake Victoria. And when I say the, n the name lake, you've got to understand this lake is like the second or third largest uh, lake in the world. It's like you're out in an ocean when you're out there. And there are islands that are populated and need the gospel. And he has a ministry uh, there with a medical ship that goes and provides uh, help. Um, with that. And, but while he's doing that, he's keeping involved in this uh, ministry of, of training national missionaries. Um, we were so excited to have he and his wife come. We had the tickets bought, but the talk about changing plans, like with you, Amanda, um, just on September 12th, the Lord took his wife to heaven. And um, uh, so, honey. Uh, um, but we said, of course, on the phone, you don't have to come. But he said, no, 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 I'm coming. So please welcome uh, Alfred and Daryl, if you would. <clears throat> And he asked me to read, uh, to read the passages. So turn in your Bibles to Acts. We'll step out of uh, Psalms we'll be in, and turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And then I'll read it a little bit in Acts 11. So Acts 8, verses 1 to 8. This is the word of the Lord. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. 
And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they, uh, Philip, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And now turn to Acts 11, verses 19 to 21. Acts 11, verses 19 to 21. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, my brother Cliff, for this uh, introduction. I want to greet you in two different languages, but both of the greetings are Christians. One is in Kiswahili, and the other one is Kisandawe. <clears throat> the Kiswahili one goes this. Amani <clears throat> abwana, and you will say, ni ya milele. Ni ya milele. The peace of the Lord is eternal. Then I will greet you in Kisandawe. I will say, Kiasimo Kolasi Yesu Patas. And you will say, Eh. Okay? So I, greet, uh, I begin with uh, Kiswahili one. Amani Abwana. Niya Milele. Again. Amani Abwana. Niya Milele. Kiasimo Kolasi Yesu Patas. Eh. Again. You just say, hey. Amen. <laughs> Dear brethren, this is an opportunity, a privilege that God has again given me to, uh, to me. This is my second time to visit with you See the Christ Bible Fellowship and some of the BFC churches. The first one was back to 1998, when again you gave me an opportunity to speak to you from the Word of God. How, how a privilege is it to me? This makes me very humble before you and the Lord. I want to express my appreciation to you all as a church, following your prayers and very deep sympathy with my family when you heard that my wife was called to heaven, to eternal life. Your prayers have been so helpful that I'm able even to be able to be with you today. So I really want to thank you I also want to thank you, church leadership, and the missions committee of BFC for every support that makes possible for me to be here today. I want again to appreciate you, church BFC as a whole, and in particular, 
Bible, uh, Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship for the, your partnership with the church in Tanzania, by which for many years now, more than 20 years, you have been working with AICT and other groups to be able that we can reach the unreached people in Tanzania. So may the Lord continue using you in that way, in that direction. Today, I want us to share on the subject, committed to spread the gospel. Committed to spread the gospel. Keeping in my mind that, in our mind that this week has been missions emphasis week. Trying to see how God is going to use us as a church to continue spreading the gospel to the people without the church. In this section, we shall see two things. One, in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 8, that where we have just read, we want us to go back to this chapter 8, verse 1 to 8. I would like us to see two things. <clears throat> One, the, the scenario of what is happening, what is happening, taking place in Jerusalem. I want us to take you to Jerusalem now, okay? Maybe some of you have ever have been there, some of us not, but today we are going there. We are going to see, according to this text, what is happening. Then we shall see the background of Acts 1 to 8, how things that is happening in Acts chapter 1 8 came into place. So we have just two things. One, the scenario of what is happening in Jerusalem, then the background of it. Let us go direct to. Idea one, the scenario of Acts 1 to 8. As we have just read, we see that on that particular day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. To this time, the church in Jerusalem has greatly multiplied in number. One of, uh, on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2, it is reported that about 3,000 people get con got converted. And uh, many more other would increase, would join to the group, according to verse 47. In chapter 4, verse 4, the number increased to 5,000 believers in Jerusalem. In chapter 6, Christians are so many that even now the apostles cannot serve them. It is when now the apostles invite believers, suggested to the believers, please choose some of you to come and assist us, assist table services, because we cannot do everything. 
You have become too many for us. This was the first time now when the clergy would invite the late to church service in the local church. Before when the group was still very small, you could think that all uh, the apostles was almost doing everything. But then it came time now when the Lord would speak to the apostles to say, you guys, you cannot continue doing everything. Please invite the late. Please invite the, uh, the ordinary believers. You have many people around you, and I have invested in them gifts to do other ministries. Please invite them. This is the very first time now when we see the late, the ordinary believers invited to the ministries in the local church. Now, as a result of the persecution that is going on, as we shall see in Jerusalem, this happening, we see there is Saul with his friends. He's going to every Christian home, dragging them, arresting them, taking them to jail. Let us imagine like now we are in Jerusalem. And we are here to watch or listen what is happening there. Here is Saul with his friends. And he has come to the first home of the Christian home. What do you expect to hear from that house? The father and the mother are now taken to the prison. What do we hear? Listen. What do we hear? Cry. Children screaming. Okay? Probably so is saying threatening words to these believers so that they can renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. To say from now on, we are now not going to be more Christians anymore. You can hear such kinds of words threatening them to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. You can see some of Saul's people stealing their property. You remember when there is violence? People go with different purposes, issues. They take property, they do all whatever, they rape, they, all, they do all these things. Now, what can you see? Around the city, from one street to another, what can you see there? You see people running from one direction to another, trying to escape death, trying to escape the arrest so that they could not be sent to jail. So there is every confusion. But this confusion, this persecution is focused to the Christians. By that time, maybe there was a, a number of more than 5,000 Christians in Jerusalem. So they are almost every street in Jerusalem. But this is the situation. People are running everywhere trying to escape this uh, arrestment, arrestment. They are trying to escape death. And it was this during this time, we see that Christians are scattering. 
They are leaving their homes. Those who were able to live, but remember others are already in jail, prisoned, tortured. But we say that sometimes they are scattering to different places. And when you scatter, you leave your home in, in this kind of situation, you may not necessarily be able to know what is your destination. You are going anywhere. Only that you can save your life. So why this is happening? There is, de there is death here. There is arrest here. There is torture here to the Christians. Some are going to different places. And as they get there, verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I would see like some of them had already lost their family members in that particular persecution. But we see that everywhere where these Christians scattered, they preached. They preached. They preached. Whatever manner they preached, what kind of evangelism method used, we don't know. It, I think it was not uh, an open air meeting. It wasn't in that situation. But the Bible says that every place they went, they preached. Imagine somebody who had already lost his family brothers and he reaches to his, your home, cry, I think so. And now you ask him, hey, what is going on here? Say, oh, we are being killed, we Christians, because of the name of Jesus Christ. But I tell you, Jesus saves. You tell this to your host without knowing what would be the reply, the response. He can chase you away. If he knows you are dying because of this name, and now you are sharing this name with me, you are like bringing death to my family, he can chase you out. But this was, was the situation. Jesus saves. Jesus is the Christ. God has appointed him to be the Christ, the Savior of the world. This was the message of the people, or of the refugees, was given to the houses every place they went. And as a result, church got planted. Praise the Lord. Yes. When there is death here, there is joy on the other side. As we have read verse, verse, last, verse 8, verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. While in Jerusalem people are dying, but these same people are taking joy to other towns. Why? They had committed to spread the gospel. They had committed their lives to spread the gospel. And you see that in verse 8, when they spread the gospel, if you look at Acts 1.8, we can all agree that the scattering of Christians was for the sake of his name. They scattered according to Acts 1.8. The persecution that broke out of the, of, of the church in Jerusalem, therefore, 
was God's plan to use laymen in reaching out to the outreach, the unreached nations or missions. You see, the first time in chapter 6, apostles invited Christians to come and share in the service. And now, this is the second opportunity now, the church of God going to use the late at a very broad way to bring the gospel to the end of the earth. This is because always the clergy is, is a small number, is a very limited number, they cannot do everything. So God is now providing another opportunity to the church, to the church members to do even bigger work than the clergy could, could, could do. They now, we see that they are now scattered by using or by as a result of this persecution. Now, here's a, a question. How could people who were running away to save their lives? And some had already lost their family members and the property. How could they keep saying, Jesus Christ is the Lord. How could they? Instead of going and uh, like seeking somebody to, to have pity on them, to hide them under their beds, that's what we could expect. Brother, we are being killed down there. Please hide me somewhere where nobody can see, can't see me. Instead of things that they come with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could this happen? How could the early church produce Christians who were committed to the spread of the gospel? How could the early church produce the committed Christians to spread the gospel? We try to think of what happened during this day and what is happening during now. How committed we are to spread the gospel when we are going under very challenging situations. I know, I don't know if you ever experienced violence or uh, persecution in America or around here, and, uh, but we have seen this happening to other parts of the world maybe. Maybe also you have been able to see when uh, natural disasters come, how people suffer. One of the very important things they do, the, the people with the airlines, before you take off, they have this induction time when they introduce you to the life in the, in the flight. They say, if it is time to escape, please, don't take your baggages. Leave them there. Because now you are fighting only for your life, not baggages. That's why people could, when you are escaping death, you want just to save your life. Now, how could the early church be able to produce, to raise up 
Christians who were totally committed to the spread of the gospel and are doing this for the sake of his name. This is what I want us to look at. To be able to get the answers to these questions, now let us go to Acts chapter 2. It's the background of chapter 8. Background of chapter 8. Chapter 2. I just want to read this verse 36 to 42. Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will be, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises, the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are for far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to... Prayer. This is the background of chapter 8, the text that we have just read. Because if you, you trace back from chapter 8 backward, you will necessarily find that this group of Christians who are now experiencing persecution, they came from this chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, but the number of Christians kept growing but we could trace their background to chapter 2, where now we want to see what did the early church do? What happened that it could be able to develop Christians who were committed to spread the gospel, whatever that cost would be? We see, first of all, we, uh, in, chapter, in this chapter we see that First of all, as we have just read, there was clarity, clarity and communication of the gospel. Which other word can I use? Can I use? There was a, the gospel was so clear. Okay? The gospel was so clear when it was communicated to the audience on the day of Pentecost. That's why now People would cry out and say, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Who? They were cut. Their hearts were divided into parts. 
that they could be able now to see the insight what was there. And once they saw this, they did not enjoy that. They could see the wrongdoing sin, the inner defilement sin, and the guilty sin, legal guilty sin. Both of the three kinds of sin. Now they could see themselves and they worried. That's why now they say, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? So the idea here is that the gospel was well communicated that the people were able to know themselves in which situation they walked. And not only that, but they could see they need help to rescue them from that dead situation. We gospel communicators, we should be very careful when we communicate the gospel. My fellow missionaries, please try as possible as you can to use people's way of communication. So that now when you communicate, people get to understand what actually you are trying to present. Otherwise, you spend a lot of time, people do not know what actually you are saying about. But here, the gospel was very well communicated until people would cry, brothers, what then shall we do? Tell us. Tell us. Secondly, there was new birth experience. Verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The Bible says the 3,000 were added to because there were already more than 12 followers of Christ, the disciples and the rest. So, this we can say there was that, that new birth experienced. Brethren, if you never experienced new birth, there is no that personal contact, personal relationship with your Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever the church is going to do on you, there will never be any clear results. Because it is only when we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then now, from there, the Lord can use us in whatever manner he likes. So it is important that we be sure we are born again Christians. I thank the Lord. It was uh, at my, at, uh, my 12 years age when... I accepted Jesus Christ and I never regretted. Yes. Are you sure you are born again, Christian? Or you are trying to copy Christian kind of life which we never lacked? This is how it happened that people experienced newborn life said, there was very strong discipleship program for spiritual maturity and emissions. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. BFC, I've, I've learned that BFC as a whole is one of the, 
the Christian denomination which have strong discipleship program. Praise the Lord for that. Yes. The question is, do Christians devote themselves to attend these classes? Do you really attend this class? Oh, you need somebody to keep pushing. Today, we have classes. After this service, we have classes. Please don't go home. Don't go anywhere else. Go to the classes first. Do we need somebody to keep pushing you to these classes? If that is the kind of a discipleship you are, how much are you going to contribute to the sake of his name? This is one, this program was very strong in the early church. As a result now, we have Christians who whatever happens to them, they stick to the spread of the gospel. Let me finish by saying two things, uh, uh, a few lessons. One, when God allows us to undergo challenges, he has a better end result that will be for the sake of his name. He allowed the persecution, but at the same time was the means to get these people to take the gospel far. Yes, his name, his name was. Second, from the early church era, God uses laymen and laywomen, not the clergy, to accomplish more on the world evangelization. According to Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be a prophet, some to be the evangelist, and some to be pastors and some teachers to prepare God's people. For what? For works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Is this, it is therefore the role of the clergy, the pastor, the pastors around here, to equip the Christians at the grassroots in spiritual growth as well as evangelism and church planting or mission so that they can do the service, so that we can go out. That's why when the persecution broke out, all the apostles remained in Jerusalem. That's what it says. They did not go away, but only the Christians scattered. Why? They are there to continue developing other new members so that also they can go out. Christians at see, Christ Bible Fellowship and BFC as a whole, who are not attending any of the discipleship classes, are not going to contribute much on church's mission statement, which says to make disciples of Jesus Christ throughout the Lilei, Lihai, Valley, and among the nations, and especially unleashed people group. If you are not ready to, do, to devote yourself to your pastors, to teach you, to train you, to prepare you, we are wondering if you are going to contribute anything to church's missions. We are wondering. See, the Christ Bible Fellowship has been here for more than 30 years. You are supposed to have give, given, give, given birth to many daughter churches around, if only 
each one of us here, not only the pastors involved in spreading the gospel. You share the gospel with your friends. Sometimes you have so that excuse to say, oh, our culture or this so so cannot. No. You have a friend around you in your office, neighborhood. You have so many people to tell you that just a word. Jesus saves. Jesus loves you. Can you remember when you last said such words to a person? Jesus is Lord. If you accept him, you get saved. Do you remember when you last this, you said these words for the last time? In this mission emphasis week, also, we have, we have been provided with an opportunity to pledge for your faith commitment. Are you ready to use wisely this opportunity? You have the forms with you today. What are you going to do with that? That's one way of that you can express your desire. Your commitment to spread the gospel. Please use the opportunity wisely for the sake of his name. May the Lord bless you. God willing, we shall meet here on earth or there in the eternity. Thank you.